Oh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Ross. Um, couldn't help thinking of the story I heard about when uh, Paul, is it Paul? Um, Linda, what's your husband's first name? Mick. Mitch. Mitch. I, I wear hearing aids for a reason. Mitch, sorry, got Mitch. Uh, I heard about a missionary who turned up in Africa and uh, first morning he charged down to the beach and jumped in the water, you know, it was beautiful and cool. And then he realised nobody else was in the water, so he looked around for a while and thought, oh, that's odd. And then there was a boy standing on the beach. He said, uh, um, is, is the reason there's nobody in the water because there's sharks? And the guy he said, no, no sharks. Sharks are afraid of crocodiles. <laughs> you probably heard that one. Okay, so um, we're thinking about bearing one another's burdens in our series, as Cam outlined. And I've got a picture of Andrew Gombossi's truck. Little Rip and Bobby Dazzler, isn't it? You're probably thinking, what the blazes is this about? Uh, it's a dumb, dark, sort of dreaming thing when it's stopped, but when it's going, it's uh, fantastic. And as I started thinking about that, I thought, how am I going to get all the guys, sorry about being sexist ladies, to uh, concentrate on the idea of bearings? I thought, I oh, know, trucks. Did you know the average car has got at least 35 to 40 bearings in it? And goodness knows how many bearings Andrew's truck has, but when it's charging down the road with, you know, 20 tonnes of uh, water on the back to keep some plants alive somewhere... Is Andrew here today? Oh, there he is. Sorry, I hope I don't embarrass you. He's a good driver, by the way. And very polite to the uh, motor transport guys when they pull us up to check the truck over, eh, Andrew? <laughs> um, you know, the reason why we're here this morning in part is because our vehicles have got those little steel balls that make everything move smoothly, yeah? Don't know if you're aware of this. I mean, I've got a, a mechanic certificate and I was fascinated when we did all this stuff and in my life um, previously as a farmer. Well, we're in the series, loving one another, um, what was it? Uh, being hospitable, Toby, that was great, very challenging, and today bearing one another's burdens. There's 59 one another statements in the New Testament. That's quite a few, isn't it? And bearing one another's burdens is a really integral part of it, and I suggest to you that deep down inside the church, using the idea of Andrew's truck, of deep down inside this truck, right at the heart of things, to make things go around successfully are bearings. Lifting something, fighting against gravity. We've got, uh, for those of you who are builders, bearers, timbers that take the weight. Yeah, Jabin? That's right. Uh, and I'm going to take the funeral of a dear friend on Thursday in Goulburn. Um, and there will be pallbearers carrying the coffin, yeah? Uh, I had to get in the ute, my old ute, and roll down to Goulburn to see her in hospital last Sunday afternoon. All that sort of thing. And the whole idea of one anothering uh, each other flows from our relationship with Jesus. You know, um, why are Mitch and Linda out there in the gospel in that uh, complex situation? Because of, uh, they know how much they're loved by Jesus. So the big idea at the beginning is to consider Christ. You've got a big idea? Consider Christ, don't be conceited, but instead bear one another's 
burdens. And can I say at the end of uh, our meeting this morning, our gathering, if there's anybody here, you know, that's got some prayer point, uh, I think I'll even come forward myself because this guy and his wife are about the only two Christians in a large family. And I'm going to speak on the passage she specified, which is the resurrection passage in 1 Corinthians 15. And I think there's going to be 300 people at the funeral. So that's quite a burden I'm feeling. Well, uh, on the other hand, um, all this one-anothering is about freedom. We don't have time to go into the idea of freedom, but that, that idea in the first song has given us freedom. Uh, the way in which we express it in bearing one another's burdens is, is part of our calling. Let's have the next slide. I nearly left this one out. I'll lead you to digest all that. We could have said freedom isn't an escape from the root of self-sacrifice. Remember, the background of Galatians is that Paul is incensed that these Judaizers are following him around uh, from Jerusalem and going to places that he's preached the gospel in, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and adding things to the gospel. And that's poisonous because all of a sudden you're not sure whether or not you're doing enough religious stuff and you can never know that. And the churches struggle with this one way and another down through the centuries. They were saying that the men had to be circumcised, right? Which idea I don't like. <laughs> but, you know, when, when can you be sure? And Paul's saying, no, no, you're free. You're free to love. You're free to serve. You don't have to listen to this stuff. He's really, really angry. Uh, and he tries to get people to understand that the real conflict isn't about religiosity. It's about the ongoing conflict between living by the spirit or gratifying the desires of the flesh in our relationship. It's spiritual warfare that's on view. And it's messy working all this stuff out in the complexity of our cultures and how people think. Um, we got a, 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 a little bit of that from Mitch. And it's important to remember that walking by the Spirit in freedom is not some private, mystical experience. I think the Quakers got this wrong, if you've ever read about the Quakers. I've just read a big, fat book called Dominion by a guy, uh, Tom Holland. If you ever want to read a book to sort of get an idea of all this culture and how Christianity changed things, that's an excellent book. So we've got a picture of some bushwalkers. That's in the Blue Mountains. Does anybody know where that is? And as you'll see as the, the sermon unfolds, we're walking together, we're helping each other, but we all have our own backpacks, our own um, burdens as it is. Um, our life together is always corporate. Um, Paul makes very clear elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 5 that being filled with the Spirit is firstly and foremost about practical relationships. You know, this lady that walked out the door and didn't know whether to turn left or right, she was interested in forming relationships. That's what it's about. That's what Christianity is about. And relationships of love and forbearance with others. Um, for, forbearance implies the need for self-control and patience with each other. I think Paul and Linda probably have a lot of forbearance and patience from the sound of it. Uh, we've got an outline of the three points. <clears throat> 
Okay, so first point. Um, simply take our eyes off Jesus. Please don't give up reading the Bible. You know, read the Gospels, read the Beatitudes. We, we can, and one of the difficulties I've found as I've grown older as a Christian is you can almost get too familiar with things, can't you? Uh, and you just sort of lose the wonder and the profundity of how God loves us so. And what an extraordinary, extraordinary person, uh, the divine person of Jesus is. And uh, we can get out of step with the Spirit. If you've got your Bibles open, I'm reading an ESV. It says in chapter 5, verse 25, as uh, read by um, uh, Lisa, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It means um, keep in step with the Spirit or form up in a, in a line and get into a rhythm with it. <clears throat> And the sad truth is that we struggle, even as Christians, with our understanding of ourselves, our opinion of ourselves. And one of the things I used to do as a pastor when I met with young men is, what do you say to yourself in the shower in the morning? Self-talk, yeah? Do you beat yourself up and say you're useless and you're going to fail the day? Or, you know, do you, are you one of those guys who's conceited and says that... I say it a bit more nicely than this, by the way... Uh, you say you're fantastic, you know, you're going to go out and kill things. Um, it's always was revealing for me. But our conduct towards others is often determined by our opinions. Uh, is that not true, our opinions of our souls? Or is it um, comparison is the death of com contentment? Comparison is the death of contentment. You know, be yourself and who God made you to be. Relax in that. Um, you know, in our fallen state, as outlined with those sort of things there in verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And there's the thing about circumcision again. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality goes on with all this sordid stuff. It's of anger. Uh, you know. Narcissism, self-absorption, absorption, insecurity, selfishness, pride, arrogance, all those things are against the spirit. All those things are things that make us avoid uh, bearing other people's burdens. And when we're conceited or self-entitled, we provoke other people just with our demeanour sometimes, let alone what we say, you know, watching something on YouTube with road rage. <laughs> uh, the word here... Um, the words here mean conceit, uh, something that's empty or vacuous, uh, an opinion of themselves that is uh, empty, vain, false, hubris, you know, ephemeral, like um, fairy floss at the show. I don't know, do they still have that stuff? You can get on a stick and rot your teeth out in half an hour. And envy, of course, is having a negative self-talk, being resentful of others. You know, the thing about this book, Dominion, is that it reminded me that the great power of Christ Christianity has been genuine self-abasement. You know, why do we remember Francis of Assisi? You know, he took his clothes off and walked out of town, away from millions. Uh, Augustine was the same. Apparently, his man of astonishing humility, and of course, Paul was, and they're emblematic of our Lord Jesus. Paul says elsewhere in Romans 12, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but have a sober judgment of who you are. 
So there we are. We need to be careful of not freighting those values into church life. I could remember as a boy in this dusty town south of Gunnedah that one of the men in the church was extremely disliked and it was because he was always talking about how good his wheat crop was. It sounds bizarre, doesn't it? But he had no idea that uh, people resented him. And then he got converted. (laughs) It was an interesting thing that happened. So, attitudes have to be, uh, sorry, relationships need to be governed by an attitude of service, not rivalry. That's the first thing. Now, what, what about bearing each other's burden, treating each other well? Well, we all have burdens, do we not? Uh, the way Claire looked after a mother was exemplary, and uh, I've heard that some of you just did a tremendous work with that. Well done. Um, and they need to be in our thoughts and prayers at the moment, and we've prayed for them. Um, but some people don't want to share their burdens. You know, I'm miserable, but Jesus is enough. Uh, and we won't share them. We think we're tough, we're stoical. It's not, it's not being Christian. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They're beautiful words, aren't they? We need to keep reading the gospel. We need to be reminded that Jesus bore our sin and guilt. But we are the body of Christ. When Jesus says, come to me, he means, yes, prayer, but he also means, come to the church. And how, how are people supposed to see Jesus? They come to the church. Um, um, Ali and I have uh, only been coming for two years, but this is a very winsome place. And some of the stories I've heard about how you've borne each other's burdens are just wonderful. And if we continue to live like that, the place is going to grow. It will grow. So God's plan is to comfort the downcast through others. Paul gives examples of that. He was downcast and Timothy came to him. We can read about that in uh, 2 Corinthians 7. I was called to go and see my dying friend and her distraught husband last Sunday. But let's remember that here... The burden can often be because we see that a brother or sister has fallen into sin. And if you're like me, you don't want to confront it. One of the hardest things I found as a pastor was to go and have to confront somebody's sin. You know, often people would come to me, sometimes they're gossips, but sometimes they were well-intentioned and they just said, I'm not prepared to do this. How you, know, you do something about it. And I, when I was a young pastor, I made so many mistakes. Uh, and the older I got, the less I liked fights. But uh, I realised if you didn't do that, the church would be weakened tremendously by it. I took no pleasure in it, knowing my own sin, the temptations that we all struggle with. So the burden... Can you see chapter 6, verse 1, and now we're down to the nub of it. If anyone is caught in any transgression, I think the NIV said sin, uh, you you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Always in gentleness. 
the minute we become imperious or have a holier-than-thou uh, attitude, we, we're lost. And that's what Jesus did, except with the Pharisees, didn't he? And then it says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Sometimes these are very complex situations. And the person can say, well, I'm not really doing anything wrong and start to sort of wriggle their way through things, you know, to justify what they're doing. This is not simple stuff. Uh, but if we know the scriptures and we're prompted by the spirit, then we need to persevere, but be careful. And we need to know what our own particular weaknesses are. And sometimes it might be, I don't think I'm the one for this. So wisdom aspect comes into it as well. Then it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. And the law of Christ, his command is to love one another as I have loved you. That's what it means. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So the whole idea is about restoration. And um, here it says, uh, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And then it says, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The word restore here is actually one that's used in Mark chapter 1 where the disciples are tending their nets when Jesus stumbles across them. Well, does he stumble across them? He sees them on the, 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 the shore of Lake Galilee. And the whole idea is that they're cleaning, stitching, folding properly like we'd fold a tarpaulin or something like that, you know, to have, to have it ready for its usage. And uh, so if we, contest, if we detect somebody doing something wrong or they come to us and confess, we don't stand by and ignore it. We're ready to act. We're ready to go with them. Um, but we need to do it warily. We need to be wary of people who might put religious loads on us as well. Uh, and there's a whole thing about cults uh, and what they do with people, but we, we don't have time to do that. But... The Judaizers are emblematic of that. So pastorally, uh, we need to be wired to be uh, sensitive to people. But some of us are uh, overly sensitive and we can have um, loads put on us that aren't genuine. Uh, I had coffee with a friend uh, who's an Anglican minister in Sydney during the week and he said, you won't believe this, but I've got one family that bludge on... Uh, the church all the time and this week it was because their car broke down and so they were ringing me to see whether or not I knew if anybody had a car if I could lend them a car he said they're, they're quite well off they could go and hire a car <laughs> so if you're if you're a person who's overly sensitive beware of the burdens that people put on you and whether or not they're realistic sometimes just giving in isn't good enough but sometimes we're we're insensitive to the needs of others, and the needs are very real, aren't they? There's addictions, you know, whether or not it's uh, pornography, a terrible young thing, uh, thing nowadays with the access that young people have to it and, and how it can ruin their relationships. Uh, there's, there's alcohol, there's gambling and how it ruins things. But there's also the aspect of covetousness. And uh, we mightn't realise if... You know, we flaunt what we have uh, unthinkingly, how it can promote uh, covetousness in people. Um, we might be insensitive to those things. So you need to work out whether or not you're overly sensitive or not sensitive enough. There's a whole thing about that. But to sum up the idea of bearing, bearing other people's burdens, uh, it's costly, 
in terms of time, effort and emotion, but hey, you know, we're looking for the affirmation of one person, that's God, aren't we, in the future? Um, we're looking for well done, true and faithful servant on the big day. And it's rewarding. Loving each other usually isn't very spectacular, uh, but it's vital for spiritual health and vitality. And as a pastor going to a new church, it's always interesting to dig underneath and see uh, you know, what's been going on um, behind the scenes, deep down in the church in bearing burdens, to use the, the mechanical uh, analogy again. Martin Luther says, uh, he's the German that started the Protestant Reformation, Christians are to have strong shoulders and mighty bones. And I've got a quote here from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and if you want to follow this up in a small book, it's not particularly thick, uh, read Life Together. Uh, it's, it's a book that I think every Christian should read. Uh, that's, that's all there is to it. He wrote it when he was running the underground Bible, uh, Bible uh, college in Germany during the Secondhand, secondhand Second World War, uh, just uh, before he was um, imprisoned and, of course, executed by Hitler. So can we have that uh, quote, please? Oh, okay. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. That's a devastating statement, isn't it? If we've got this ideal about community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. Nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Now, you know, he wrote that under duress with a whole bunch of people with enormous pressures on them. They knew that if the secret police found out they were having a Bible college that uh, they'd all be in huge trouble, and they were in the end. But there's a lot of other things about, um, you know, dealing with a brother or a sister who sins in there. It's just a, a wonderful book. And, and the, the problem with a church uh, that's going well is that it becomes very attractive and attracts other people for the right reasons. But if we don't like the idea of the church becoming two or three hundred, then we get upset about it. But Jesus is way more important, isn't he? Just a little aside there because I've been in charge of, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet, but I've been in charge of churches that have doubled in my time there and it creates all sorts of stresses because people bring their problems with them <laughs> have you noticed it's interesting isn't it anyway um, last point I think I've gone too long how we bear our own burdens will be assessed okay uh, verse 4 Oh, well, we'll start at verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Um, you know, we have to see with God's eyes, don't we? But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour, for each will have to bear his own load. We don't compare ourselves to other people. We're all different. We've all got our own gifts. Some of us carry burdens 
that uh, we can't begin to imagine um, what it's like being in their shoes. Um, and again, we're not saved by good works, but paradoxically, Paul elsewhere says uh, we're saved to do good works, aren't we? So don't compare ourselves with others. Reborn means call to a new life, and none of us has occasion to claim moral superiority to our neighbours, or Jesus wouldn't have to die on the cross for us. But self-examination is important uh, continually. Uh, not to beat ourselves up, but to know that um, God will assess what we've done in the end. Um, and he will say, well done, true and faithful servant, with his, if with all our faults we've sought to honour him and to bear each other's burdens. Is there a conclusion slide? Yes, there it is. Bearing with one another is not just helping each other in hardship, it's warily dealing with sin in the lives of others as well as ourselves. We mustn't avoid burden-bearing through timidity. If we're unsure, we need to go to the elders, Dave, Stuart, the wise women in this congregation, and there are some wise women here, uh, and not just the older ones. And I leave you with James 5. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not with a... We mustn't be voyeurs about this. Um, but we must delight when it happens because it means that we're concerned about holiness, we're concerned about the glory of Christ and the sweet aroma of the gospel. And let's remember that the prayer of a righteous person is power and effective. Amen. <laughs>